And greetings. Welcome to The Dividing Line. It's uh, sort of a morning edition out here in uh, Phoenix on a Tuesday. I almost thought about doing a program yesterday. But yes, it was a really, 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 really busy day. Um, and uh, I filled in. Well, didn't fill in, but I guest hosted um, on Iron Sharpens Iron along with uh, Pastor... Bill Shishko, uh, you know, Bill from moderating some of the debates we had on Long Island, and then he and I had a debate on uh, pedo-baptism a number of years ago there on Long Island, and uh, we filled in on uh, Iron Sharpens Iron for uh, with Chris Arnzen, uh, and uh, sort of doing some fundraising for uh, Iron Sharpens Iron, and that was two hours of interesting conversation, and a few anecdotes toward the end, and then I went and it was very kind that one of our families, um, where we were having a get-together that evening, allowed me to do the program there so I could run out and um, set up my scopes. Now, it's funny. I was a little hurt because uh, the, the house we were at, the fellow sort of thought I would have one of those, like, uh, pirate things, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. That's what we, I was going to set up type thing. <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 I've, I've got the real stuff. Um, sort of the real stuff. I mean, I don't have anything super fancy, but um, I, I took out my 6-inch uh, Orion reflector and my Mead 8-inch and uh, got it all set up for the conjunction last night, of course. And a lot of you had weather and clouds, and you'll still be able to see them fairly close together tonight, but last night was the closest approach from the perspective of Earth between Jupiter and Saturn since 1226. Now, there was one in the 1600s, but it was too close to the sun, so you couldn't see it. It was during daytime, so um, big deal. Um, and, of course, given the telescopes were invented in 1608, uh, that means that this was the first time that anyone could look through a telescope and see Jupiter and Saturn that close to one another. So even from a low-powered scope, they were you know right there, right next to each other. And uh, so I got all that set up, and it was fun. Uh, it was fun to watch uh, people looking through the um, the scope and and going. No, it, it's funny. People with their the first time they use a telescope, um, they're like, is that real? Uh, did you put like a sticker down at the end of this or something? Because it, it just, you know, and uh, uh, I've heard that a number of, of times. People would say, just, this just doesn't look real. And um, uh, I have a shot here. Uh, unfortunately, my... Uh, my setup on my 8-inch for taking photographs, um, just it's, it's cheap. There are, there are ways of doing it. There are proper ways uh, of being able to attach a camera. I'm using the cheapest way possible. I don't have the money to do anything else. Um, and so I just – I can never get Jupiter to resolve. But if you were looking through any of my when – I, when I took the camera off and put the lenses back on um, – you could clearly see the uh, the rings of Saturn, as you can you can see Saturn. Uh, that's pretty clear. Uh, but Jupiter, I can never get to resolve. And you could see the bands on Jupiter quite clearly. And you can see some of Jupiter's moons, uh, those little dots around that Ganymede. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you could see Titan on Saturn this time around. But um, but uh, that's not, that's just one shot. Now it's one thing to take a picture of Jupiter, take a picture of Saturn, put them all together. This was this is just a single shot. 
um, through my eight inch last night. And um, that's how, how close they appeared to be. And of course, that's just honestly, you know, it's like, so what? Um, that just happens to be where the earth is right now. Um, and so that's where they are in their orbits. And, but still, uh, you know, always seeing Saturn through a telescope. It's, it's amazing how few people have looked above their heads. I think part of it, part of it is these things, honestly. Part of it is these things. Computer sitting here. And for a lot of people, it's like, pff, I, can, I can get pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope which we're about to, not quote-unquote, replace, but go light years beyond, I hope, in technology. Um, hopefully, it gets launched, keeps getting delayed, and who knows what gonna, what's going to happen economically in the future. But, but Hubble has been a gift that just keeps on giving, and it's like, I mean, I can see awesome pictures of Saturn. We had the Cassini mission. You get, I have a beautiful, full-size, one of the most beautiful pictures that Cassini ever took. From the backside of Saturn, the rings and the sun's on the other side. And, oh, it's just gorgeous. Why in the world should I waste my time? Uh, frequently, you have to go out in the cold, in the dark. Um, to, you know, I've, I've set my scopes up with my fingers. Where I was like, eh, come on, fingers, work. I try to get that thing uh, set up right. And why, why bother? And most people don't. Most people don't. But a um, couple nights ago, I set up my six-inch which is really easy to do. Um, that one's uh, nice and, and simple. You can just aim and look. Uh, it's a little bit easier than, than the, the more higher, higher power ones. And um, some young guys live across the street in a rental property, uh, go to Grand Canyon. Uh, I invite them to come over. And um, you can tell they had never done anything like this before. And just the, just the amazement they they immediately recognize what I've said to people. It's one thing to look at a screen. It's another thing to look at a piece of paper with an image on it. But when it's your eye, yeah, it's looking through a telescope. Yeah, of course. But it's your eye. And in fact, you have to work on focusing it and moving your head around a little bit to get to right where that particular lens works for your eye. And all of a sudden, Saturn pops into view. And you can see the rings, and you can see her moons. Um, Jupiter, you can see the bands. Um, the Orion Nebula, or Albireo, or um, the Andromeda Galaxy. Um, you see that stuff with your own eye. Yeah, you're using an instrument, but it's still your own eye. Uh, it's not just a glowing screen. Uh, there's, there's just this look when someone... Uh, there's a taking in of the breath and wow, that's, that's amazing. I can't, I didn't know, you know, and it's, and it's true. We, so many of us live in uh, cities under a, what's called a light dome. And the sky at night is a mushy gray. It's never really black. You don't see the Milky Way. Um, you have to get 50, 60 miles outside of the edges of Phoenix uh, to get a dark sky any longer. Uh, with Tucson growing, you can't really go south anymore. Uh, there's just, just developing an entire band where there's, there's no, no darkness in there at all. And um, so even this, you can see the, the background is not black at all. 
uh, because I was taking these fairly shortly after after dark, and we're in the city. We were sort of out a little bit out of the city, but still very much under the light dome. And uh, so you can see the planets, but you can't see deep space objects that way. Anyways, I hope you got to see it. If you didn't get to see it last night and it clears up tonight, uh, still worth your effort uh, shortly after uh, sundown to be looking toward the west-southwest and to see Jupiter and Saturn. I was informed, even though they'd never been this close since 1226, at least visible to human beings, uh, Jason Lyle, Dr. Jason Lyle, Biblical Science Institute, who, by the way, wrote a wonderful refutation of Phil Vischer. You know, Phil Vischer, VeggieTales, who's gone ultra-leftist woke, you know? Um, And he's putting out all this stuff and using his platform to push wokeness. He uh, attacked uh, creationism, young earth creationism, as a modern innovation, um, uh, I think, week four last. And I happened to see it, and so I sent it to Dr. Lyle and said, I I think you might want to read this. Well, he read it and wrote a full refutation of it uh, at Biblical Science Institute, if you want to look it up. I thought it was enjoyable to read. Uh, But Jason informed me that uh, there will be another conjunction, and it will not take 800 years this time. Uh, This time, it will only be 80 years. And so, yeah, I'm going, well, 138, that's not looking good. Um, but uh, maybe maybe my grandkids, if they've got really good genetics, uh, might remember, because uh, Clementine and January uh, were there. Um, uh, they got to look through the scope briefly to see it. So uh, maybe they'll remember uh, Punkle setting up, setting up his uh, telescopes long, long ago, back, back right at the beginning of the end, <laughs> 2020. <laughs> uh, and we, we saw those things. So, yeah, there you there you go. Hope you got a chance to see those. Uh, that that was pretty um, pretty cool, and it was neat seeing people getting all excited about uh, what they could see up there in the, in the sky. Um, do we do the cultural stuff first or the biblical stuff first? Let, let's, we normally do the biblical stuff, then go to the cultural stuff. Let's turn it around today, get the end on a high note, I guess you could say, with the, with the biblical material. Uh, hey, aren't you really excited that you're going to be getting like half a month's rent um, from the U.S. government? <laughs> 5,593 pages of the new spending, almost 6,000 pages. How many trees died for this idiocy? Um, and you get half a month's rent. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's and the price has gone down. You notice it was twelve hundred uh, just a few months ago. It's worth worth half what it was before. Um. They they destroy the economy. They destroy your your job. Um. You know, and and you might say, well, it doesn't affect you. No, it did. My wife lost her job uh, because of this it, directly. Directly, it is the actions of the government that caused that to happen. No question about it. Um, and I include the Republicans in this. The, the, there is nobody that in Washington that can stand up and say, I have stood for liberty through all this. They, they didn't. Nobody did. Um, so, the, so they destroy the economy. Please remember their goal is the destruction of the middle class. The middle class is what has made America great. The middle class is what came out of 
the medieval period and, and allowed for advancement in science and, and, and medicine and all sorts of things. Middle class is very, very important. You want to destroy that. Uh, you still want to have the elites. The elites will always be there. They will always protect themselves. They're going to they're gonna be up there in their mansions convincing everybody else that that's where they need to be to protect you. Um, but you look at the surf, the system of, of the middle, middle period of middle ages of serfdom, uh, that's what they want. And that's what they're working toward. They know that the more people they can get in government assistance and dependent upon the government, global minimum wage, uh, those people are not going to vote against the people that are signing their checks. And so they have permanent power. Uh, they, they've got it as long as, as long as they give you enough to keep him starving to death, then it's hard to get you to uh, risk what little you've got to fight for liberty or freedom. We've been, been here, done that, completely forgot about it, gave it up. That's, that's America's story. And so uh, they want to get rid of the middle class. That's what they've done. They, they're destroying restaurants and businesses, small businesses. Meanwhile, big corporations, Amazon, Walmart, Google, Target, the big, big, big corporations, they're just rolling in the dough. They're rolling in the dough. Um, just, just think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then the great elites come out to us and they, they give us a, it's like flying Southwest. <laughs> they give you your little bag of peanuts and they expect you to go, Oh, thank you, master. I am so thankful for this bag of peanuts. Well, they then turn around and go off and have their caviar and stuff in their mansions. Um, this is, this is where we are. I mean, it's so disgusting to me. Um, especially all the stuff, I guess there's a new American Latino national museum of the American Latino is also included. That's what we need right now that you've got to have that right now. And a new women's history museum and, uh, millions and millions of dollars toward, um, Pakistan with, uh, gender Money for gender equality in Pakistan. There you go. I mean, got to have that. I actually tweeted this morning, I apologize to the world uh, for the fact the United States has been taken over by uh, immoral secular leftists who are using our wealth to, well, we don't have any wealth, <laughs> our pretended wealth, uh, to cram all sorts of moral evil down the throats of all other nations and I ask that everyone pray that we would be uh, able to get godly leaders again here and everywhere else. But yeah, there you go. Uh, 6,000 pages of the new spending bill. Isn't that exciting? Um, uh, that's just great. That's, that's, I, I don't even, I don't even know what, I don't even want to, what to say about such things. By the way, I forgot. Um, uh, what? Oh, 89 million for what? Furniture in, on the House side? Senate and House. Oh, well, they need new furniture, obviously. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty important. I mean, yeah, it's, it's only $89 million. Uh, Let's just be honest. They don't care about the debt anymore. Uh, because uh, my prediction is this. I'm, I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. My prediction is this. There's a global currency coming. It's going to come with uh, the, the debt forgiveness stuff. Uh, where you assign everything you've got over to the government, and then they forgive all your debts, and now you're a serf. 
Um, and that's how it's going to work. And so that's why I don't care. They're just just keep those printing presses going, man. Get that money out there. It's not really money. It's just all fake, anyways. And there you go. That's why I don't care. Uh, that they don't. They no. They don't care. I uh, forgot to comment. I, mean, I was going. To, I had on the list, but I forgot to comment about this last week when Beth Moore jumped in um, about Trumpism. Um, I only have the first two. I, for some reason, the third one. You know what? I might actually be able to pull that up. But let me um, see if I can do that. But the first two were uh, were interesting. Uh, I think that's where I found that. I'll scroll back and see if I can track it down. It was, I forget what date it was, but, uh, you know, I can't see Beth Moore's stuff. People have to send me Beth Moore's stuff because, of course, she blocked me. I, I don't think, I, I'd like to think it wasn't personal. <laughs> Not that I really would care one way or the other. Um, but, uh, th- I think there are programs. I haven't seen them. I think there are programs that you can say, yeah, there it is. I found it. Um, that you can like go uh, f- f- look at this person's account and block everyone who follows this person. I think you can do that. I, I haven't seen it. Maybe somebody could tell me uh, on Twitter or something like that what that is. But I think I just simply got caught up in one of those. Uh, and that's why I got blocked. But I would be now anyways. Uh, from Beth Moore. Here's what she wrote. I do not believe there. These are days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old, and I have never seen anything in these United States of America I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous. The saints of God. Ready? This is this in 63 and a half years. All of the naturalism and postmodernism and critical race theory and critical gender theory. Just think of the of the the young women being destroyed by drugs, Lupron, puberty blockers, testosterone, no longer able to be mothers, double mastectomies, uh, men having their genitals cut off, uh, massive confusion of 148 genders, the profaning of marriage, oh my goodness, destruction of the family, uh, just unbelievable evil. But here we go, Beth Moore, the most seductive and dangerous thing, the saints of God, in all of that, than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. Fellow leaders, fellow leaders, that's me, fellow leaders, we will be held responsible for remaining passive in this day of seduction to save our own skin while the saints we've been entrusted to serve are being seduced, manipulated. If, if, if you don't, haven't gotten the idea that Beth Moore is full on with the egalitarian thing, you've not been paying attention. Um, Saints who've been entrusted to serve are being seduced, manipulated, used, and stirred up into a lather of zeal devoid of the Holy Spirit for political gain. And then I found the third one. Uh, And God help us, we don't turn from Trumpism to Bidenism. We do not worship flesh and blood. We do not place our faith in mortals. We are the church living God. We can't sanctify idolatry by labeling a leader our Cyrus. We need no Cyrus. We have a king. His name is Jesus. Well, that last one's fine and wonderful, except it misses the reality that what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris represent is the most blatant, vile, open, unhidden expression of anti-Christian worldview expressions that we've ever seen. 
the people being assigned to positions in the coming rulership. I don't call it an administration because administrations administer laws. These people are going to be administering laws. They're going to be administering the fundamental reorganization of the entirety of the American culture. Uh, it just stuns me how wokeism can allow you to, on the one hand, see and, and, and at times even say, well, what Beth Moore said about homosexuality in her book before she unsaid what she said about homosexuality in her book, remember? Where she had the old, orthodox, historic, uh, proper perspective on homosexuality from a biblical viewpoint years ago, and then quietly removed it, first from the Kindle edition. It's Kindle editions, you can edit anytime you want to, you know, and then when your, your, your Kindle reader hooks up to the internet, all of a sudden you've got new stuff that you didn't have before, or the old stuff that you wanted to have isn't there anymore. And um, that kind of stuff. They can see that. They can even say things about it. But orange man bad. <laughs> orange man bad. That's that's just that's just worse than anything else. This is just all following the culture. This is this is it's just sad to observe. It's just sad to observe. Um but in sixty three and a half years, she's older than I am. Five five and a half years older than I am. Um yeah, even older than Rich, that's saying a lot. Um uh, six, three and a half years old, and I've never seen anything in these United States of America. Really? Nothing. Nothing more astonishing, seductive, and, and dangerous to the saints of God than Trump is. Now, that, that, now, let me stop for a moment. I don't know what you call Trumpism. I'm seeing Trumpism used for everything that is not woke, which, of course, is absurd. Uh, but let's be honest. Man, there's some weird stuff out there. That stuff that happened in Washington a couple weeks ago, there were, there was so much weirdness going on there that if you call that Trumpism, if you've got all the, uh, there are still there are still some alleged prophets, <clears throat> still some alleged prophets out there going to their grave uh, prophetically. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, hey, God's told me Trump's getting another four years. Um, and when you start turning this guy into a messiah and, and everything like that, and you close your eyes to uh, the softness of his administration on the issue of homosexuality, very plainly division at the highest levels that he did not resolve. He did not take a stance on very clearly his family, his history, very pro-homosexual. He didn't, he's from New York. He's, they're, they're everywhere, right? Why, why, why bother about that? Um, that's why, you know, when I did you, I saw someone linked to, uh, I think Tom Buck linked to uh, Trump's Christmas greeting. And look, I'm, <laughs> How in the world can I sit here and listen to that Christmas greeting and not go, man, that's stronger. That was a that was stronger theologically in its statement about who Jesus was than anything that's been said by an American president since I don't know who 
probably in the 19th century someplace. Even from Bush, um, it was obviously, however, not written by Donald Trump. That's the problem. I mean, I'm glad he's willing to say it. I'm glad he went to the pro-life marches. I'm glad for all that stuff. But I don't yet have any evidence. I would love to get evidence. Maybe in the coming years it'll come forth. I would love to get some evidence that he actually believes the stuff that he was saying. It sounded like Mike Pence wrote it or some, someone along those lines. Because it was extremely orthodox, very strong. Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and the whole thing about Christmas. And it was, it was really, really good. And I'm glad to hear it because he ain't going to get that from Joe Biden. And you'll get something about who knows what from Kamala Harris. Uh, but at the same time, I, I just have a hard time believing that that's coming from him. He's reading something that's been written for him. I would love to be proven wrong about that. That would be wonderful. That'd be awesome. Uh, it's not going to change anything, but it'd be wonderful and awesome if that were the, if that were the case. So, um, yeah, uh, but there are people that are just doing some weird stuff, weird, weird, weird stuff about, uh, about Trump. That it's just like, whoa, back off people. You're acting really weird. Uh, so, but I don't think that that's not what she's talking about. She's talking about, uh, just not being woke. I haven't, I didn't get a chance to do another search, but I can pretty much guarantee you that over the next couple of weeks, the incoming Biden uh, kingdom um, will make a statement about what Hungary has done. Uh, thank God for Hungary. Thank God for Hungary and Poland. They're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There are no perfect governments in this world. But it's nice to see once in a while somebody stand up. It's sort of like when the African... Anglicans or African Roman Catholics or folks in Africa tell their European brothers to sit on attack. Um, that's <laughs> we. It's it's gotten to that point now where we can't help but date ourselves by everything we say because people don't really use tax anymore, um, and so sitting on one is. You know, that was that that was something you did in school. You put a tack on somebody's seat and you'd get in trouble for it, but it was awful fun. And, you know, who does that? And people don't even go to school anymore. You can't do that over Zoom. Uh, it's just really not possible. So anyway, um, there was another. Oh, I mentioned yesterday I, I used to I got this from my mom. I'm busier than a one arm paper hanger. My mom and my dad busier than a one arm. No one knows what a paper hanger is. No one puts paper put wallpaper up anymore. They don't know what a, what is that? You know, putting glue and up that is just, nobody understands what that would, what that would involve. So I keep dating myself, um, badly. Um, and, and so Bill Shishko suggested try, um, busier than a windmill and a hurricane. Uh, that, that's, that, that, that still communicates, you know, that now we've got those windmill thingies all over that, you know, kill all the birds, <laughs> Generate electricity, but they kill all the birds in the process. It's 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 great. I propose busier than a Facebook algorithm. Well, busier than a Facebook Facebook algorithm that's banning uh, all free speech. That would be that's way too long now. Anyway, um, Hungary. This is how the BBC put it. I, I, and what do you expect from the BBC? This is what we're going to get. You don't do not expect. Ju just get it into your mind. 
you will be misrepresented when you are shamed and attacked by the culture in the future. Just, just make sure that the Lord knows what your intentions were, the Lord knows your heart, and let the heathen rage. Uh, and so the BBC is heathen. And so Hungary bans same-sex couples from adopting children. A nicer headline would be something along the lines of Hungary affirms its historical stance on the importance of mothers and fathers. See how, see how different that sounds? It's, that's, of course, what they're doing. But, but Hungary um, put into its constitution a definition of the family of a man and a woman. Yeah. And now that's just considered... That's grounds for the EU going after them, and they will. The European Union will go after them, just they've gone after Poland for doing similar things. And I, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't already banished, if they, maybe they have, just haven't seen anything about it, uh, banished any of the leaders of the Hungarian government from Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> We're not going to allow you on because you are bad, 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 bad people, very bad people. Um, but this, let, let me just say to all the saints in Hungary, and I'm, I imagine we have some folks uh, in, in Hungary and in Poland and in other places. I know we have folks in the Czech Republic. Um, more power to you. Uh, way to go. I, I wish, like I said, I'm, we have to sit here and apologize as Americans for what our government is doing in the promotion of just the most amazing amazingly evil things all around the world. And so more power to you. Congratulations. Uh, keep it up. Don't, don't, don't be ashamed of uh, the nation being willing to say, this is where we stand. We will not allow this kind of... Because what we're being told is uh, Hungary is a totality. This is what Joe Biden said a few weeks ago. This wasn't about this, but that's why I think there will be a statement eventually. Uh, called uh, Hungary a totalitarian regime. That's what you're going to be. You're going to be accused of promoting totalitarianism, hate. That's, the, that's what they're going to use to silence anybody who does not walk lockstep with the regime. That's what the regime, the Biden regime, that's what it should be. That's, that's the proper term, regime. The Biden-Harris regime. Um, and, but but Biden and Harris are not going to have to do that through governmental sources. Right now, Google, Facebook, Twitter—they do it on their own. That they're 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 functioning as quasi-governmental authorities in crushing dissent and free speech. That's that's their thing now, and uh, that's now just a little word of warning to. Zuckerberg and Jack and whoever the nameless, faceless robots are in charge of Google. <laughs> um, I really think I, I think Google already is run by AI. It's, it's just probably some kind of freaky-looking algorithm robot, AI robot out there. Um, just a word of warning. You may think that you're protecting yourself from the government, by doing what you're doing. By, you know, Google, for example, shifting millions and millions and millions of votes 
away from Trump to Biden by their use of algorithms. It's 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 been documented. It's there. It happened in 2016. Worse in 2020. Um, Twitter, all the everybody, uh, Facebook. You may think you're protecting yourself, but you need to realize that totalitarianism eventually moves from soft totalitarianism to hard totalitarianism. And that means your free speech rights, which right now work fine because you're going the same direction. But if you ever disagree, they will come down on you just as hard as you're coming down on us. And by then it'll be too late for you. Just a warning, just a word of warning. Just, just be aware. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. There, there you go. So, yeah. I was going to say that driving in this morning, I was uh, listening to talk radio. I can't verify the documentation on it, but the fellow mentioned that during the election season, Twitter censored Trump over 530 times, and Biden, not once. No. Not even once. No, no of course not. Uh, it's it's too obvious. It's too plain. I don't know how anybody can can question it, but there you go. So, Hungary, congratulations. Stand strong. Uh, fight the good fight. Um, doesn't mean everything Hungary, Hungary does is exactly right. Now, a um, article appeared from which included. Um, this was by uh, Matthew Arbo, C. Ben Mitchell, and Andrew T. Walker. Walker is a ethics professor at Southern and a graduate at Southern, I think. Uh, I think Mitchell's also a Baptist. Anyway, um, why we plan to get vaccinated, a Christian moral perspective. I just wanted to interact uh, with... Um, one little section of it under safe safety and efficacy. Now, I I have laid out um, what I think is a fair case as to why it seems to me to be extremely logical, fair, Christian, moral, ethical uh, to not receive the new vaccinations at this point in time, and to resist governmental mandated invasion of your bloodstream at all times. Um, I have laid out a number of reasons for this. I believe that there is more than sufficient evidence of collusion amongst various governmental agencies, world agencies, such as the World Health Organization, the CDC uh, in the United States, um, the World Economic Forum, in utilizing the COVID-19 situation, if not bringing it about, to create the circumstances of Operation Warp Speed, of creating massive irrational panic. Massive irrational. Let me show you. Do you want irrationality? Let me show you what irrationality looks like, okay? I go to this little pizza and pasta place. Been going there for years. And the entire dining area is about maybe three times the size of this studio. It's small. There's one, two, three, four. There are eight tables. Okay? There are only eight tables in this dining area. 
So from the front door to the counter, I would say is about 10 to 12 feet maximum. All right. That's how small we're talking a couple hundred square feet max. Small number of people fully loaded. And uh, I have not been inside that restaurant now since June. You know why? Because you have to have a mask on. As soon as you sit down, you can take it off. So I have to wear a mask to walk sometimes as little as four feet. And then I can take it off. That is insane. There is no rational, logical, ethical, scientific, virological basis for wearing a cotton mask that is doing nothing to walk four feet to take it off. But I have to. That's why I haven't been in. I I have not been inside a restaurant. I've been inside one restaurant since June, and that was on a trip. One. That's it. It's insanity. We all know it's insanity. We all laugh at it. I'd have to, when I was driving back to each St. Charles, it wasn't too bad back then because I just had this uh, thing around my neck, and it was cold. So, so, I mean, it was pretty natural to be all bundled up anyway, so I hardly even noticed it. But when I would go in, I, I remember very clearly this one stop, and I'm looking at the gal behind the, and she's behind plexiglass, but she still has to wear a mask. And it's right here, you know, and no one cares. And everybody on the planet knows that's doing absolutely nothing, but we're following the rules. That's what it's all been about. Okay, it's insanity, absolute insanity. And we all know it in our heart of hearts. But this cultic mentality has developed. A cultic mentality has developed where it's I'm following the rules. I am being a good person. I'm doing my part. Man, that's scary. That is scary, scary, scary. So I've laid out in the past all sorts of reasons, but one of my primary reasons in this situation, I've said I love tech. I I think it is fulfilling the creation mandate to utilize tech. I, I was using technology to take that picture. We used technology to know it was going to be happening. Um, I just think it's, I think one of the most awesome things mankind has done, to be honest with you, is the Cassini probe to Saturn and the landing on Titan. I have, I've made a picture in my home that was taken from the probe that landed, the Huygens probe that landed on Titan in, what was that, 2005? Saw things that no human eye has ever seen because the atmosphere of Titan is opaque. We can't see through it. It's methane. And so here is this probe, and we land it through that thing. It rains methane at minus 178 degrees. And we landed a probe through there. I've got the pictures that it's taking as it's landing in this place we've never seen before. Wow, that's awesome. I love tech. I think that's absolutely awesome. I think it's tremendous. When it's in the right hands, when it's in, when it's in a worldview that will, will not allow it to become something horrifically evil. So I'm not against tech. But in this situation, the tech has been rushed at an absurd speed. Warp speed, in fact. 
And so I am seeing all these people, including these seminary professors, promoting the safety and efficacy of a vaccine that they do not know is safe and effective. They don't know that. The only way to know this is by testing over time. You can't rush this. You can't. You can pretend, and that's what's being done. And it's shocking to me how many Christian leaders and others have all bought into the... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and repeat it. It's safe and effective. You don't know that. I hope and pray that it is. I really do. But you don't know that. And if you're saying it right now, without the clear caveat, I'm praying that it will be, you're just lying to us. And that's what makes me go... So, here are conservative Christian ethicists. Because the rapid pace of development under Operation Warp Speed, it seems natural to worry that COVID-19 vaccines may not be as safe and effective as they would have been if they were developed more slowly. Although it is true that the vaccines have been developed quickly, the same scientific process has been followed. No, it hasn't. That is not true. That is a false statement. The scientific process involves long-term health studies in the people taking the vaccine. You can't dilate time. That's just an untrue statement. How did it get in there? I don't understand this. How did that get... The same scientific process has been followed. No, it hasn't. Show me how it has. Show me the... It's real simple. Real simple. Give me the five-year health studies. You can't. You know you can't, and there's a reason why you can't. In fact, because the stakes are so high, the scrutiny and oversight have never been more intense. Wait a minute. That's, those, those two sentences don't go together. You can have scrutiny and oversight in a short period of time. That's not the same thing as having five-year data. I'm just stunned by this. How is this happening? Who's getting paid here is what I want to know. Or maybe it's just simply, hey, we just, we're just doing our part. We're just trying to, to help. Uh, Dan Baruch, a vaccine researcher at Harvard, maintains, quote, Never before have there been vaccine trials that have been followed so closely from inception to onset to conduct. End quote. Or more quickly, <laughs> that's the point. I don't care how many eyes are on it. Eyes can't make time go any faster. You have no five-year, you have no one-year, you have no two-year, you have no three-year, you have no four-year, you have no five-year, do you? Nope, you don't. Well, we will in five years, and we'll have... A billion case studies. Well, thank you, guinea pigs. Let's hope it turns out well, but that's all we've got is hope. They also have oh, of course they have indemnification. They can't be sued. Uh, you, you, you're not going to have the, if you were damaged by the COVID-19 vaccine uh, 10 years ago, call, call this <laughs> Italian-named attorney or something. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's a good call, pound, sand. That's right, because you're not going to get nothing. 
Uh, they have indemnification. Second, the ways the process has been accelerated have not compromised safety. These are ethicists, but they're actually acting as salesmen. They're salesmen and apologists. Protocols followed by the FDA are rigorous and include months of safety surveillance. (laughs) Really? Months. What does the FDA normally require? Years. I guess if you can think 600 bucks from Uncle Sam means something, then you can go ahead months, years, eh, same thing. Who cares? If, if I'm checking that timeline, I'm thinking that it's single-digit months. Yeah. I don't think you can even get double digits out of that no, number. Uh-uh. You can't. No way. Can't. You can't. Nope. Nope. Uh, include months of safety surveillance. Most side effects of vaccines show up within six weeks. Really tell that to the people who lost all motor skills in the 2016 flu vaccine uh, debacle. So there has been plenty of margin to monitor for adverse events. Whoa! The more I read this, the more I go, man, if I ever need to sell a bad used car, I know who to do it. I know who to get to write write it up for me. The unpleasant side effects such as headaches, fatigue, and pain at the injection site are real. We should all be fully informed about them. By the way, I don't care about any of those. Those are standard for any vaccine. I get that. Who cares? That's not my concern. It shouldn't be your concern either. You are injecting a human-engineered genetic code into the cells of your body. It causes cells in your body to produce antibodies aimed at a specific spike protein on the surface of COVID-19, which I am told the new strain has substantial differences in that very spike protein. Okay? This is new technology, and you and I both know if we just push back from the table, If we turn off MSNBC long enough that you don't have that constant box over there that has become burned into the screens of most TVs of people watching MSNBC of global cases, global deaths, U.S. cases, U.S. deaths, blah, 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 just 24-7 pounding it into people's minds, you push that back enough and you simply ask the question, huh, A whole new technology involving genetics, not our old technology of vaccines, a new technology. And we're willing to go with single-digit months of observation. No one-year data, no two-year data, no three, no four, no five which would have been required for any vaccine in the past. Oh. Wow. Third, uh, real quickly, the COVID-19 vaccine trials are unusually large, which means they offer a great deal of evidence of safety and effectiveness. It's like these people work for Pfizer. Or Moderna. Or Moderna, yeah. I... I Talk about disappointing. <laughs> it's just like, wow. It's, it's ugly. Okay, well, um, there's that stuff.
Let me uh, let me show you something here. I didn't have time, but I I recognize it just simply by the the hand. This is Codex Sinaiticus, um, and this is from get the cursor out of the way here. This is, of course, from Philippians chapter two. Um, and they will confess Hati. Uh, ex homologeta uh, logeseta future hati kurios so what looks like a kc with the line it's called a nomina sacra this is the two letter abbreviation of kurios in its nominative form lord jesus nominative uh, nomina sacra form christos nominative Form uh, nomina sacra. Ice, doxon theu, gender form of God, nomina sacra. Patras, um, three letter nomina sacra form. Again, the line each time indicating the nomina sacra, the rather mysterious, to be honest with you, um, abbreviational forms that were adopted by Christians in the writing of their scriptures, as far as we can tell from the, from the, from the start. To, to my knowledge, I could be wrong about this, but I would think that I would remember having read anywhere where we had encountered a manuscript in the first 500 years that did not utilize the Nomina Sacra. I'd be really interested to know if there's an exception. If anyone knows, please let me know. Um, that just was an inquiry that just popped in off the top of my head. Um, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Kurias Jesus Christos, Ais Doxan Theu Patras, under the glory of God the Father. So we know this is the end of the great confession, the, um, the hymn to Christ is to God. Uh, we've seen the beauty of the balance of this text. But I just want to start with this, just so you could see this line of Nomina Sacra here. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord is first. The confession that Lord Jesus Christ, kudios, not a Lord, but that Jesus Christ is the Kurios. And that this confession, which will come from all of creation, above the earth, under the earth, Paul makes it plain, this is the human family, past, present, future, gathered together, will confess what we in our context, exhort men and women to confess for their salvation. Eventually, all of creation will confess it, even if it's to their condemnation. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So, the bowing of the knee shows that the kudios here in Philippians 2 is 
lordship as in king of kings, lord of lords. Never in scripture to the detriment or detraction of the glory of God the Father. Right there, Ais Daxon, Theopatras, under the glory of God the Father. That balance is always found in Scripture. It's beautiful to see. But the point is, as we've said many times before, when, when you object to the demands of militant Islam in regards to being subject to Sharia law under the authority of Allah. As a Christian, you must do so recognizing that our own scriptures say that someday in the eschaton, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But notice, in our language, we say that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we take the second two nomina sacra, and we put a verb in there and say that Jesus Christos is Lord unto the glory of God the Father. But Originally, the, f- the first thing that enters the mind as to the content of the confession and the reason for the bowing of the knee is the identification of the kudios. And remember, what was the Shema? What was the identifying prayer of the people of God. Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh Echad, Yahweh is one. Yahweh Eloheinu. And how is Yahweh rendered in the Greek Septuagint, the Bible of the early church? Kudios. What was the claim of Caesar? Kaiser Kudios. Caesar is Lord. What is the claim of the New Testament? Jesus Kurios, Jesus is Lord. Direct opposition. Direct opposition. So the first thing that is confessed, Kurios, Jesus Christos. Lord is Jesus Christ. And that, under the glory of God the Father, because what does Jesus say of himself? Well, let me take this down and... um, look at a couple of other texts. And this is all about Advent week. Uh, It's just a matter of of days until we celebrate. And it's, I wanted to show you some texts that normally we don't think about when it comes to this celebration. And maybe you like I, because of what we were talking about beforehand, I will confess it's been a little bit harder this year uh, to set aside worldly distractions, appropriate issues of worldly, uh, appropriate issues of concern. 
I mean, this talk of the new strain in England, which has resulted in the complete lockdown of London and major portions of of England and do you think by now they should get the idea that that's not doing any good? You think maybe it's desperation, but it's absurd desperation. Um, that's not going to stay there. It's going to get into Europe. It's going to get into the United States. Uh, we don't, you know, you know, there's, there's hope that the current vaccine it's it will be relevant because antibodies are all of different types and size and shapes and efficacies and all sorts of things like that. So we don't know yet, but this stuff's happening. And that means that it's appropriate for us to be thinking that by the end of January, we could have the president of the United States putting tremendous pressure on every governor, including South Dakota, on every governor to close the churches completely. Lock John MacArthur up. Um, if, you're, if you can look me in the eye and say, not possible, I just go, have you been awake recently? Do you realize how far we've gone one year? So it's appropriate. You, you, can't, you can't put that stuff out of your mind. You have to be thinking about what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this situation? If you're in leadership in the church, you're sitting here going, um, I guess I need to put together one of those bags that you, you know, people say you should have when you head off to the Huskow um, type of situation. It makes it a little hard to be quite as... Christmas-focused as we've been in the past. But... Yeah, well... Here's a couple of texts I'd like to just briefly share with you. We've already gone our full hour, and um, we'll go a little bit beyond that. But one of the themes that... Misses most of us who grew up in the church. Now, maybe if you're a convert and in adult life, maybe some of these things catch you because you didn't get all the exposure as a childhood to the language. But one of the phrases that is used on the lips of Jesus is about him who sent me. Now, If that was by itself, you could simply chalk it up to a prophetic voice, maybe. Um, You look at Isaiah, who will go for us, send me, so sort of an Isaianic idea. But it comes from Jesus in a different context. So you have it in subtle ways, for example, in Mark chapter 9. Uh, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but the one who sent me. And so even here in, in Mark, and I've argued 
often that Mark is horribly uh, misrepresented in the majority of modern theological writing as if its Christology is so defective in comparison to John. That's just not true. It's just repeated so often that people repeat it, but they shouldn't. It's just not true. And so here you have Jesus speaking in such a way, whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. There is this relationship between Jesus and the Father as the one who was being sent by the Father. But even the context of of whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. This is not the language of a mere prophet speaking. And there is a self-understanding on Jesus' part of having been sent by the Father. You tie this together in Mark with the Son of Man statements, and it's very, very clear. I mean, you, you go to Mark chapter 14, Jesus' words in his trial, and it becomes inarguably clear. Except for people who actually think Jesus is talking about somebody other than himself when he talks about the Son of Man, but we won't get into that weirdness right now. So, you have received me, the one who sent me, acting in my name. I know it's just down here in 939. For there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name. That name becomes the name in which uh, Christians suffer and die in the book of Acts. Um, And this is found throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it becomes even more uh, compelling in John, where you'd expect it, where you have the Father sent me, I have come into the world, uh, there's all this, and, and again, this is, this is language that's shared by John and the Synoptic Gospels, but it is emphasized because of the incidents in Jesus' life and ministry that John chooses to focus upon that the Synoptic Gospels do not, which, of course, leads to all sorts of professors saying that that means this stuff never happened, as if everybody has to focus on the same things. But what struck me today, and I, and I found interesting, is in looking at um, John chapter 6, and just think, how many, how many hours have we spent on John chapter 6 uh, on this program? <laughs> I mean, wow, just boom, hours. And yet, I had never really thought about this passage in this way. Because I'm, and that's the danger. What you, you can know a passage like the back of your hand because you have walked through it over and over again. But there's always another angle. There's always not, not, not another meaning, but another perspective that will allow you to see something you didn't see before. So we know, we know the teaching. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one comes who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. I mean, how many? we have taken this apart every way you can possibly take it apart. We have, we have examined every single Greek word and 
tried to consider so many different ways around this. But notice, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me. Now notice, even in the phrasing and emphasis of my voice, as I read 38 and 39, I connected 38 and 39 because 39 gives you what the will spoken of in the middle of verse 38 is. I have not come uh, come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. Okay, that of all these give me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Really important to see how all these phrases are connected and connected one to another. And yeah, vitally important. But what happened in the process? In fact, even when I rephrased it, I left something out purposefully. But it didn't change the discussion. For I have come not to do my own will, but but that's not what it says, is it? I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, normally, the problem is that we're so focused upon the soteriological content of what is being said. And that is the overarching theme. That's the major theme. It's, it's sort of like, okay, if you're into music, I love listening to music. I've normally got music going on. Um, but I'm not into, I know about the theory. I studied enough, I played enough music in high school to know something about the theory. Love listening to classical music. And so you know that in some of the most beautiful, especially in Beethoven, Bach as well, all all the great composers. Um, but in, in Beethoven especially, you'll have major themes and then minor themes. In Rimsky-Korsakov, Scheherazade, you've got so many situations where you've got the major flowing theme to the music, and then you've got these minor things going on that help, well, tell the story, because I mean, Scheherazade is a story. And it's just so masterfully told. But it's those minor themes that you, you have to sort of listen in. Oh, yeah, I hear that one instrument doing this thing, and then this other instrument picks it over here, and, and it, it take, makes the color and the texture, and it's, it's awesome. Well, the major theme here that carries through this chapter is the same from the time the, the, they start talking in the synagogue. And so you've got the major theme, and the major theme is what synergists are trying to chop up so you don't see what the major theme is. And so when you're defending the text, yeah, you have to defend the major theme from being disrupted and obscured and overlaid by human traditions from all sorts of different perspectives. Okay? But did you catch the minor theme? For I have come down from heaven. I have come down from heaven. Isaiah never said that. Jeremiah never said that. Even though Jeremiah quotes Jeremiah 1.5, foreknown you, God, God knew him. That doesn't mean Jeremiah was in heaven and was sent down by God. This was God's foreknowledge. But here is, here is Jesus saying, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. Well, if you come down from heaven, you're a divine being. And so to say, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, continues the theme of chapter 5. And again, all these chapter divisions are arbitrary. 
they are not part of the original writings. There's no chapter divisions and stuff like that in those, in those early manuscripts. But it continues the theme of the unity of the Father and the Son and the submission of the Son in being sent as the God-man. And so, I have come down from heaven, uh, assumes and asserts, he's the one sitting here saying, I am the bread of life. <laughs> you believe in me, you'll never hunger. That's pretty exalted language. He is saying that he, he is about to say that he is the perfect Savior. He's about to say in John 6 what he's going to say even more explicitly in John chapter 10. If you're in my hand, you have eternal life. If you're in the Father's hand, you have eternal life. I and the Father are one in what? In bringing about the salvation of God's people. So, but I have come down from heaven. There is a recognition on Jesus' part of his true nature and how this is relevant to the role that he has voluntarily taken in bringing about the salvation of God's people. That's when did when did he come down from heaven? When did when did he when did the angels come and announce his birth? The angels came and announced his birth there in Bethlehem, and that's what we celebrate at this time of year. Uh, by the way, just in in closing, um, uh, someone you know I posted that picture on Twitter, and someone. Uh, popped on and said, that wasn't the Christmas star. And, and, and I'm, I'm like, I never said it was? Why would I think that it was? I mean, if there is a full conjunction to where, and we know, if you know your solar system, if they actually, if, if one eclipsed the other, it would not make anything brighter. In fact, it would be duller. It would be less, less light would be reflected to Earth. Because Jupiter is the closer of the two. It's much larger. You saw in the picture that scale-wise, if those two got together, Saturn goes bye-bye. You, you can't see it from Earth for a brief period of time. Um, so I never even suggested that it was. I'll just say in passing, I believe the Christmas star was a... Miracle, I believe it was supernatural, and I think looking for naturalistic explanations of it, as many people have, and there's interesting discussions of this, that, and the other thing, I, but I just don't, I don't go there. Uh, I think it was, was, it was supernatural and, and maybe only visible to certain people. Um, I mean, it's like miracles happen in space and time, but they're not explainable by the natural processes in space and time, or they're not miracles. That's the whole point. Uh, but I, I just was left going, why would anyone think that I was saying this was the Christmas star or something like that? I mean, for most people, like, living in cities, they wouldn't even, they, they wouldn't even realize what was going on over there. They just see Jupiter's setting early tonight, and, oh, is there another little thing over there? No, it's hard to, hard to say. Hard to, can't tell. Now, um, no, I, I'm not one of those people that was going, oh, look, it's a Christmas star and, and stuff like that. Um, no, I, 
you can come up with that if you want to, but I, I never say anything like that. So, point being, there are texts that sometimes we miss. These, um, I have been sent by the Father. I have come down from heaven, the one who sent me, uh, that, that demonstrate that Jesus had this understanding of himself, that he had that divine origin, and not like any other man. Uh, I have come down from, I have come down from heaven is a pretty strong statement. Pretty strong statement. And the fact that it appears in the midst of a soteriological passage, a passage about how God brings about the salvation of his people, um, very important and very encouraging. I hope it's useful to you at this time of the year. Our intention is to sneak another program in tomorrow. What? I, I have one item here of housekeeping order. Uh, I do this every year at the end of the year. Uh, folks, if you are um, donating and have been donating to uh, this work, I re- we really appreciate your support. If you've been sending us We stink checks, at reminding people about that, but... Yes. If you've been sending us checks and you're not getting a receipt from me after each donation in email, I need your email address. And... So if you could contact me with your email address uh, at rpierce, P-I-E-R-C-E, at aomen.org, I will make sure to update your records and get uh, your receipts to you uh, for the year to date. And uh, we'll be sending out at the beginning of the year the donation receipts, the official ones that uh, have all the particular information that you need to have. But I just want to remind folks that if I haven't been sending you Receipts for your donations. I need your email address because that, and that's why. So that's that's all I got. So, all right. Yes, we do completely stink at. I, I mean, a couple. Two, was it last Tuesday? Was like Cyber Giving Tuesday or something? And and my email box was filled with every ministry I've ever sent anything to or gotten anything from, and we did nothing it it, you know you get all the year and and this year there (laughs) there would be so much uh to be able to say hey you know if if you want us to keep going we've we've got you know we we need and and everybody's in the same boat okay everybody's in the exact same position um you know when i write the year-end thingamabobby coming up here Basically, all I'm going to be talking about is this is what we are hoping to be able to do with the new studio in the future coming up this year. Um, you know, but let's just be honest. All of us have no earthly idea what to expect after the 20, 20th of January. We just, we just don't know. Um, and making plans tough it's 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 extremely extremely difficult right now to to do anything as far as the as the future is concerned so we we pray to be faithful and uh if you support this ministry then you believe that what we're doing the foundations we're laying the issues we're addressing are important and encouraging to you and so we just let you know we don't have some super rich person that just keeps the lights on it's individuals uh that have kept us going through this year And it'll be 2021 will be the same thing. And so we appreciate your support. Thanks for watching. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless.